spend more time with your coworkers than your family. Make choose choose your environment wisely. And I just love the concept of like fitting your work around your life and not your life around your work. So like ask yourself, am I squeezing my life and my people and my hobbies? So really me, am I squeezing that around my work persona and responsibilities? Because if so, you're not like living to the max, right? And it's like, well, okay, I got to work, right? It's just like, think about working smarter, not harder. And we have to kind of break down this stigma that like, you're a better person if you work longer. Hi, I'm Nisa. And I'm Tabari. The husband and wife duo behind Ginger and Carrot Productions. A creative agency telling captivating stories about food and culture. Food is life. It's history, culture, it's nourishment. But most importantly, it's delicious. In this podcast, we're cutting up with our friends in the industry who feel the same way. So join us for the most epic conversation about food you're going to hear today. We are super excited about this episode. We have a special guest, Chef Tiffany Thomas. Tiffany Thomas is not just any chef. She actually helps other chefs start a private chef practice or start their own businesses, which I know we work with chefs in restaurants and anyone who supports chefs in restaurants. And one consensus that I always find is like this sort of scarcity that you see, especially with back of house and just the lack of support and career growth that sometimes you see in back of house roles. And so it's like, okay, you love to cook. You can cook your butt off. And now (laughs) these 16 hour days are not cute. They're not cute. Let's just, you know, it's like, they don't know. People don't. Yeah. We watch the bear. You'll never know that pain. (laughs) Honestly, 16 hours just were never cute. Never. (laughs) We got to drink and hang out with our, our, our comrades. It's not sustainable. (laughs) It's not sustainable. It looks cute yeah. when you're in college and then 10 years later, 15 years later, some people 20 years later, mm-hmm. they're like, oh my God, like I have to stop before this cancer comes through. Like <laughs> Damn, literally, like literally. Mm-hmm. I've seen it a lot. Yeah. And uh I like to say line cooking's for your 20s. Mm. Yes. Right? Like you got the energy. You have the energy. You can absorb everything that you do to yourself. But and you roll up at age 30 and you're like, the day you wake up, I swear, you're like, I'm done. (laughs) Exit plan, exit plan, right? But it's like, what do you do? You feel trapped. Mm -hmm. You feel unworthy, right? I think a lot of chefs feel like um, that's all that they can do because they're kind of conditioned to believe that. Because if you believe that you're capable of more than a line cook or lead line or sous chef, anything within that brigade, then you would leave, right? Mm. Because it generally, you know, a lot of chefs are getting better and restaurant owners are getting better, but generally it's a pretty toxic environment just by nature. And I'm not, you know, this isn't an offense to some chefs, just by nature, cooking in a professional kitchen is, is toxic. And so eventually you kind of have a choice to make. Um, and I just want chefs to know that there are other choices than just going up the brigade system. And then there's that dogma that people don't talk about as well of when you were 18 or 16, you wanted to own a restaurant. It was like your burning passion, right? That, that was me. I was cooking from such a young age, like rolling pasta with my grandpa when I was five and making full dinner for the family by age 12, all in way until I moved out of the house. And so owning a restaurant was like 110%. Don't question me on it. You know, like <laughs> fought, my, fought my parents to go to culinary school versus four year. I was like, no, I want to be a chef. And I did it and I loved it. And I got so much amazing information and experience and the camaraderie, you know, that when you go through that, those experience, but also shared trauma with someone else, you guys have a bond for life. Um, And then eventually I um, got higher and higher up in, in the restaurant system. So it was like line cook to lead line, sous chef at a couple different places and now kitchen manager. And, And the more up I got, the more I got into the numbers and everything about it. And I just looked at it and said, 
this isn't sustainable by numbers because not mathing. The math doesn't math and it's <laughs> it's mathing the least in 2024, <laughs> right? Because Just as math. we see in, inflation has like skyrocketed. Well, the so then they have to charge more per dish, right? Mm-hmm. For the items because a case of chicken went from $36 to $63 overnight. Mm-hmm. And so what happens, the restaurant will always order food, yeah. but they're going to cut costs on labor. They're going to lay people mm-hmm. off. They're going to not give raises. Um, and so if they offer you an, an entry wage um, into that position, anything higher than minimum wage, they never have to increase it. Right. They just they ask you to kind of save your way out of poverty instead of just make more money. Right. right? You just just like kind of make more money. And so I think that's where the realization has to come in is there is not a lot of money in restaurants to support every single person that is within that restaurant. And so do you want to keep trudging along and compromising your priorities and your mental health and your physical health? Or do you want to release that dogma of, okay, I wanted to own a restaurant, but maybe it's just not realistic anymore. Maybe Mm -hmm. it's just not the smartest idea anymore. And if I own a restaurant, I want to be a chef that can support my staff Mm -hmm. with a thriving wage, not surviving Mm -hmm. wage right? Mm -hmm. Because you can survive hand to mouth on a few different wages. But uh, like here in LA, I don't know how anybody makes less than a hundred grand, honestly. If I mean, it might be from several, from a few different avenues, you know, multiple streams of income, but honestly, like to be even happy, to be happy and say like, I can go to sleep knowing that my bills are paid. Mm. And when I was in restaurants, um, that that wasn't a reality for me. If I missed one shift, I couldn't mm-hmm. pay my bills. Mm-hmm. I missed my grandpa's funeral because I couldn't miss a shift. And that was a huge wake up call for me. That was like, wow, the guy that taught me how to cook, I can't, mm-hmm. you know, and it, it was like, I didn't have the support system to ask for help, you know, or mm-hmm. like even the chef that was like, you know what, just take the day off and go, you know, something like that, you know? And so I just really want to empower chefs to have the freedom that with your existing talents of just being a line cook, there's a whole world out there for you. So I'm really, I'm really excited to discuss it all. That really hit home for me because my grandmother passed last year and we were here. So we just, uh, this week is like our year anniversary, a move anniversary or whatever. And we're in a place where like to move across the country is like now you're, you're operating at a deficit or baseline for for a while and mm-hmm. is that coming out you know what i mean yeah you know reality yeah. still can be a little harsher than you prepare for still yes it's yes. like running but it's like, of course life is still going on while you're trying to get yourself together getting your friends do a thing yeah. and she passed in may of last year and there was like no way i was gonna like we, i was gonna get there we were like, maybe if I just go, we were trying, there's like no way at the time that money that we had and then the money my folks were spending like on, on the actual and everything. Cause, yeah. so it was just like, it, it was just, mm-hmm. it was just like kind of no way without like, I mean, it's not, this is no way. I, I wasn't ready to go and like call everybody to be like, you get the $10 here, $100 here. I, I wasn't ready to do that at that time. Um, so it, it was tough, even though we weren't necessarily in restaurants directly, but working on something that you're that you want for the long term work something that you really believe in mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. something happens in the meantime you miss out on is is really really tough and it's a very unique experience so when you said that i was like <laughs> it just it's the funerals that get you like yeah. i'll miss a birthday yeah like, i'll birthday call girl. you i'll send you some like stuff. i'll hit you up next week yeah yeah, yeah. but the stuff. funerals like the heavy stuff yeah. or like health related stuff or having like recently we had both had covid and like that was just we such we made it so long thing. we made it so long without getting COVID. Know, then, we COVID ever yeah. ever and out of nowhere wow. just it just happened and i was like that for me, like this year, I was like, no matter what happens, mm-hmm. I have to have time off built in. Mm-hmm. Like, 
I have to, I cannot, yeah. I'm not building a business where I don't take time off. And I was like, the most amount of time off I could ever see myself taking, like no budget, like is a limit sort of thing was like every two months after that, I'd just be too tired. <laughs> and I was like, I told myself, I put a week off like mm. next week. And I was like, I don't care if all I do is like sit and watch TV, like every two months I'm taking a week off that way when I make more money, it's already like, I'm already in the routine. I'm like, I take every two months, I take a week off because that is what would make me feel like I'm always taking time off basically. Mm -hmm. Something to look forward to. Yeah. And you have to recharge. And what I always say, I don't know who came up with it, but I love the saying of we're, we're human beings, not human doings. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like you literally have to just stop and be for a minute. Like yeah. when I when I assist coach, uh, chefs in transitioning, part of that of like their prescription almost mm. is take 20 minutes every day and do absolutely nothing. Like nothing, just lay there on the floor. Or maybe that is just whatever you want to do for 20 minutes that doesn't have to do with work. It's not something that someone else wants from you. Because when you're working in a restaurant, you're you're kind of signing your your life over for like 12 hours per day or what or whatever. And just what needs to get done just has to get done. Right. And you know, I didn't smoke when I was in the restaurant industry, so I never got breaks. Right. I was like, no, I'm not. Isn't that yeah. And so it's like, I trained myself to be a very fast peer. And then I like come back and like do everything. And then I finish my prep list and I do your prep list and then like make sure everything is. <laughs> and then like, I'm just what exhausted by the like end of the day. Peers, yeah. You gotta be like a really fast peer, like get yeah. back, to, like get back on the line, you know? Oh and so, but again, what that illustrates is just, you're sacrificing your body. Right. Yeah. And, and, and then you're going how many hours without food and water. Mm. But the crappy thing about all this is that you get used to it and that becomes your normal. Mm. And so you get this thing where chefs say it's not that bad. Yeah. You know, they detail like, like our resistance and our threshold for pain, BS, abuse, um, just r really like dangerous work environments, low pay, um, you get to a comfortable level within there. But within that comfort, there's no growth, right? Mm. And so when you get comfortable with life's minimum, um, you're not really like craving more and more, but everyone around you is living the same way. Yeah. And so there has to be someone in your life that says, you could be going and doing this, you could be doing this, you could be doing this. And kind of someone a mentor type or someone to look up to. And that's why people are looking up to Anthony Bourdain and other chefs that kind of got out, right. Yeah. They like out of the industry. Um, when I left, people were like absolutely floored, shocked. They're just like, what? Like your next step is your own restaurant. And I'm like, yeah, I don't, I don't want one. That's not the lifestyle that I want for myself anymore. Um, I saw, I just simply looked at my chef's lives. They don't see their family ever. A lot of them had an alcohol issue or some kind of substance issue or some kind of crutch, like a, some kind of coping mechanism that was not healthy. Um, and they didn't have hobbies. Um, they mm. didn't, sleep, they didn't sleep well. Cause you know, that like shoot up in the middle of the night and be like, crap, I forgot to order the produce or whatever. Mm. That's definitely yeah. happened to me a few times. <laughs> you know, and so I felt like their life wasn't theirs. And, um, if some people are just, it's a hell yes. And they are driven to absolutely do that life. Um, but I, I'd, I'd say if it's not a hell yes, it, it might have to be a no because mm. it, the, the amount of energy, money, time, sacrifice it takes, like, is it really worth it? Because spending time with family and friends and loved ones in your community and exploring the world, uh, whether that's just your neighborhood or the entire world, um, having human connections. Um, that's the point of life. And mm -hmm. I want other people to realize that you can love your job and be obsessed with it, but also not have to be there all the time to prove that you care. Yeah. Mm. Right. Yeah, and when I start, <laughs> well, when I started to pull away, um, it's really interesting because I was like all in it 100%. Um, and then I went through a really bad breakup. Uh, this mm. was about 2010. Oh, and good. I realized, 
I, uh, I, that'll do it. I realized <laughs> that um, I didn't have a hobby. And so it was like I was at work and then I was crying. So I was like, this is stupid. So I realized I needed a hobby. So I took up yoga, just like, oh, like I'm really flexible. I like to be active. I'm currently not that active. It would be nice. So um, I started to do yoga and it totally changed my life because it forced me to respect my body mm-hmm. and it forced me to stop and breathe and assess and sit in silence. And it was so uncomfortable and it was so difficult on every level. But through that, I started to build a breath practice and I started to just um, notice my body and have respect for it of like, wow, look what my body can do. I had no idea. And so I had new priorities and boundaries and the restaurant industry no longer fit into there. And if it was structured differently, it could Say I could create the restaurant that I wanted to work in, but could I still pay each mm-hmm. cook a hundred grand a year, you know? And, and so f- further and further onto it, I just learned um, this just isn't sustainable for me. And so I had my, each of my feet in a different world. I was in the yoga world now for almost mm-hmm. two years. I went and got my yoga teacher training mm-hmm. um, and, and then I still had my foot in the restaurant world and I was mm-hmm. I didn't find a way for them to meld with Mm. the values. Um, And so I just decided like, look, I am an amazing chef. I have been sous chef of some of the best restaurants in the city. I can use my cooking abilities in a different way that is still rewarding, helps other people, makes other people happy through my food, where shockingly, I am also taken care of. You know, I like I dared, you know, I, I dared to uh, find something where I was supported as well because this industry is so much about sacrifice. It's like, well, why are you doing that? Like, mm-hmm. like what if you just didn't have to sacrifice it? Right. And, and I want to reiterate restaurant industry is important. Like it's, it's there. We all want to dine out. Um, but as soon as you start to dread it, um, just know that there are other avenues and um, you can plant a seed a long time before you leave. Right. So mm-hmm. I planted the seed to leave about a year and a half before I actually did. Cause I'm yeah. realistic. It's like, that's the only thing that I know how to do. I'm a cook. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had no business experience beyond culinary school. Um, uh, I, that's, I only knew how to cook. So I had very few options. And so when I came back from yoga teacher training in the beginning of 2012, I said, okay, I'm going to start to make my, my exit plan. So I started teaching yoga part-time really just for something for me for like, so my identity wasn't completely wrapped up in cooking. Um, and then I also joined a nutrition school. Mm -hmm. So just something, so I can start to deepen some knowledge, deepen knowledge in another area more than just cooking. Um, but again, it's so related. I, I absolutely loved it. Um, and then I, actually met my first private chefing client at the restaurant when I was cooking. And so it was kind of the universe thing where I was just like, Mm -hmm. I made an intention. I planted a seed. I didn't like jump off a cliff and jump right into it and quit my job. Mm -hmm. Nothing like that. I got an amazing job at an amazing restaurant. And I just, I didn't even give myself a timeline. I said, I'm just going to make my intentions. And when it happens, it happens. Mm -hmm. And one of the uh, regulars that would come in and sit at the counter in front of me as I was cooking, they're like, God, we would love to have you cook at our house all the time. Mm-hmm. And I kind of made a joke like, oh, I could totally do that. And he's like, would you really? And I was like, mm, wow, uh, is this a legit question? I, I don't I don't know how to do that. And he's like, <laughs> you don't need to know how to do it. Just start. And I was like, <laughs> you say you need to come kidding. over right now. Well, and then he, it was like the audacity that he that he was giving me to just be like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm just going to start, right? Yeah. I think that we feel like we have to have everything lined up to start something. And that was just like, you're right. So I started cooking for them once a week. Um, I cooked all of their meals. And uh, then they had a baby. So I started cooking the baby food as well. Um, They loved me. And then they recommended me to a friend. And so I started cooking for them. And with two weekly meal prep clients, I was able to leave the restaurant industry. Just two. 
because of the the financial equivalent. Yeah. So I was literally working two days a week cooking for six hours a day and teaching a few yoga classes a week. And I was fine. And it was shocking. I actually went through this whole like multi-step process of being like so relieved and happy, but also very angry (laughs) that a job that I worked like 70 hours a week at, I could be doing something else for 12 hours a week. And Mm -hmm. I got to do all my hobbies and then everything kind of fell into place. Really. I, um, I actually met a wonderful person that I don't feel like I would have met if I was stuck in the restaurant all day. Right. So, um, and that, that opened my world up and I got to see friends that I never saw when mm-hmm. I was working. And so um, the whole world kind of opened up to me and there was a grieving process, you know, and I went mm. through a lot of criticism, like, oh, you're ditching, you're bailing on us kind of. Wow. You know, it's the like, cold. oh, you, you can't hack it, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, this is a conscious choice that I'm making. Um, but I laugh because like some of the same people that kind of criticized me in the beginning for leaving no, or some of the same too. people that hit me up now for help to <laughs> leave the I industry without people to say, oh, you can't hack it. Don't, don't you just want to see? <laughs> well, so, well, and entrepreneurs will tell you part of success is saying no and quitting. Right. Mm-hmm. If you said yes to everything and stayed in everything because mm-hmm. you made it, you told yourself you wanted that when you were 18, you're going to get into a lot of trouble because the world changes so much and you need mm-hmm. to be able to pivot. Mm-hmm. So um, you're like, so my thing that I always ask um, chefs when they're thinking about leaving the industry for any private chef model is every business decision has to pass four things. Do you enjoy it? It's like a huge one because some people mm-hmm. are good at stuff, but they don't actually enjoy it. Um, are you good at it? That's another <laughs> thing. Like you have to be good at it. Um, does it pay well? Oftentimes we don't think about that. We just think about, do we like it? Um, and then is it needed in the world? Mm-hmm. And if it passes all four of those things, you have a solid thing. But if you take some of these private chef models into consideration, they were affected just as much as restaurants were during the pandemic, during the shutdown. Catering businesses closed, right? Pop-ups completely closed. Um, Even sometimes some uh, full-time private chef positions, they're like, Mm -hmm. we can't have anybody here, right? So um, things got uh, really messed up during that time. And um, so in 2020 is actually when I started getting an influx of people saying like, Hey, I see you have a private chef business, but you're like still working. What's going on? What are you doing? Like I'm doing catering and dinner parties and I have no inquiries. I don't know what to do, but you're still, mm-hmm. I see you're still cooking every day. I'm like, yeah, cause I, um, I'm actually in home meal prep chef. Mm-hmm. And so I go into the client's home once a week and cook all of their meals. Um, in six hours, I do the planning, shopping, cooking, and cleanup and leave everything beautiful in the fridge for them. And the cool thing is they didn't have to be in the kitchen when I was there. So there was mm. no contact. Mm. Um, and But they trusted me because I was one person doing their shopping and cooking and cleanup versus how many people touches your food during takeout, right? Mm. So COVID actually solidified my business. And that's when my wait list started. And then so when I was getting these chefs coming to me, I was starting to compile like, okay, well, this is what I did. And this is what I did. And that's where prep for profit was born because it was hugely needed from me. Like chefs needed my advice and, and mentorship in, in how do I transition from the restaurant industry and the catering industry into the in-home meal prep model, which has super low business costs, startup and ongoing is super just it's very light is what I like to say it's not heavy on you when you're done you're like done with work cooking for people you want to cook for cooking the food that you love and I found that I just found this model of freedom through cooking and I just want to share it with absolutely everyone yeah. wow it just feels it's like a feel good movie. <laughs> and then they found the Happy kid ending. and the dog was alive the whole time. Yeah. And the sun came out and it stopped raining. 
and the family was reunited and now they yeah. live in this big house together and yeah. they eat chocolate once a day after dinner. Like that's what that feels like. <laughs> you just described my life. That was so validating. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, wow. We, I know you touched on it a little bit. You touched on it in the intro. You kind of touched, you're kind of talking, I guess, about it and stuff. But for anyone who isn't familiar with you and what you do, can you tell us what exactly you do and how? Yes. So I'm a private chef and private chef business coach. I'm also a certified nutritionist. So I assist chefs uh, to transition from the restaurant industry very smoothly into the private chef industry with business coaching. Um, I help brand new private chefs. So they're like aspiring you know, within the restaurant industry. Um, and I also help support existing private chef businesses. So um, if someone's in the catering model or dinner party model and they just need help auditing their business and their ideas, um, I can help them with that as well. Um, yes, it's called Prep for Profit. Um, and I have a 12-week course that chefs can run through. Um, some of it's one-on-one. -on -one. Right now we have a group coaching course, which is really great. So some mm -hmm. chefs got to come together from all over the country and meet each other. They're doing so well. They love that uh, networking and camaraderie. And I am with it with you through every single step. So we go through um, even entrepreneur mindset. Like how do we mm -hmm. move from an employee mindset into an ownership mindset Big so stuff. you don't sabotage your own business? Yeah. <laughs> that was a big one. Um, I didn't start with that originally, but I realized, wow, chefs are going through coaching, but they're not like finishing it, right? Yeah. Or there's a lot of like, I can't because, right? So I was like, okay, we need to add a whole mindset shift onto this. Like we said, like coming from that industry where you are an employee, uh, you feel like a wheel and cog situation into nothing happens without you touching it. That's a huge mindset shift, huge money mindset shift, abundance, freedom, giving yourself permission to create boundaries, things like that. Huge. Um, we even go through creating like a niche statement. So it's like a, a very concise, who are you, who do you serve? What do you serve? Or what's the transformation that your clients will get after working with you? Um, and then we move into a website branding, messaging, and then there's a protect stage where we go through the legal and mm. um, acquiring your LLC mm. and liability insurance and all that stuff that chefs just feel like they don't know, right? Yeah. Yeah. From start to finish. And the best thing is you're not expected to know that. Mm. I didn't know that. I threw like spaghetti at the wall for mm. like seven years before I like completely figured it out. And then when I completely figured it out, I'm like, okay, that worked, that didn't, that worked, that didn't. I'm like, I'm going to tell everybody what worked. Right. Right. Um, and then I help chefs create um, ads. So really effective ads to get in front of the person that you want to cook for. So really efficient, not wasting money um, in that, in that realm. Um, and then some interesting other ways to meet clients, like within your community and get out there and surround yourself by your ideal client. Um, and then where do you go from there? I call it the nurture stage. Like, how do you give yourself a raise? You know, what other things can you do? It's really empowering chefs every area of the way of here's what to do, but also why and when and how. So there's a lot of like done for you email scripts, like the how to give yourself a raise, right? Um, all, the, all these things, I help them create menus and, and all of that. So it's really, really fulfilling work. And our chefs go from, I don't know where to start to like, mm. see you, I got this by, you know, <laughs> it's, it's really fulfilling to watch them, to watch I them. I love that. Yeah. And it like halfway makes me want to like, <laughs> I love a, a, like a 12 week program. Like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then we're going to Yeah. It's really structured because yeah. it has the accountability. Yeah. yeah. Because, you know, if you, if you're doing DIY, the do it yourself stuff, that's great, but I, I've done that myself and mm. the target keeps moving. You're like, oh, I'm not going to do that this week. Well, when I'm your mentor and coach, you have homework and your homework mm. literally builds the business. And so if, you know, today we had, um, or Wednesday we had group coaching with the chefs mm. and they're creating their niche statements and I teach them exactly how to make it. I give them all of the tools and examples. And then on Mondays it's due. So they get, they got to do it to move on to the next thing. 
yeah. right? Like we don't move on to the next one until you've done the thing before. And so humans are able to be more accountable uh, to someone else than themselves. Yeah. So weird. Like if yes. you tell me to, if you ask me to do something, I'll have it done like yesterday. But if it's for myself, I'm going to draw it out. I'm going to make up excuses. Limiting beliefs are going to come in. I'm going to say like, who am I to even do that or try that? Or, or you make it and then you mm. say, well, this sucks. Nobody's going <laughs> to like this. Right. Instead, the, same, the same school of business, like the, the words that you're <laughs> using and like the money mindset and like abundance mindset. And um, what's the word you just use? Uh, I feel like I hear you use a lot. Accountability. No, I was like, you just said, anyway, but I feel like we went to the same schools. I'm like, yep, yep, okay, yep, 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 we experienced that, because we had to learn that, we were taught that, learned yeah. it the hard way, figured that out, okay, got the LLC, it's just like, it's yeah. amazing. <laughs> it's it is a lot, it is, it's like... a lot, it's a lot, it's shockingly a mm. lot of stuff, yeah, yeah, exactly. you don't realize, because you're just in it, yeah. and, you know, there's, there's some... someone asks you about it, you're like, oh, I did, even recently I was thinking of adding another um offer suite because mm -hmm. through the videography and the photography I was like oh my gosh like I developed a passion for business strategy mm -hmm. and like prior to this I was in product management mm -hmm. in the tech industry and like Prior to that, I was in restaurants and I was like, let me go into the tech industry to like get away from all the restaurant stuff. And it was like all that stress just went on mental instead of like physical. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay. And the whole time I did have a hobby. It was so interesting that you said you didn't have hobbies. Like <laughs> I did have a hobby yeah. and I was consistently doing photography. Mm -hmm. And finally I was like, it's now or never mm. <laughs> like, yeah. and so that's what started our, our business. And like, we've gone back and forth with like freelancing mm. and other work to like support the growth of the business. But the biggest piece, like you just said was like, it's, it's really like there all the little steps of getting there. And like, this will suck if I start this, mm. you know, because there was an offer that I was so I don't even say tempted that I passionately wanted to launch mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. I was like, some people need branding help mm -hmm. and like content is what comes into that. And some people straight up need a fucking coach yeah. straight mm -hmm. up. And a lot of, we have not had a client that we haven't had to coach mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like just, flat out. It, it's I, like, I think at one point or another, everyone needs a coach. Yeah. I, I am a business coach and I have a coach. Like, yeah. It's just, we learn from each other. And if, mm -hmm. if you come at everything, like everyone has something, has a gift to teach and share and learn, I think the whole world would be a better place. My, yeah. my thing is like, everybody's here to be of service. You just need to figure out what that is. Um, and so this is like a very rewarding space. And um, yeah, thank you for sharing that um, about your hobby. And because I think maybe you can resonate, people don't change until it's more uncomfortable not to. Mm -hmm. So you can kind of sit in your comfort, like, but there's, there's security and there's comfort and familiarity, but no growth is happening. And yeah. that's, that's fine. Um, if bills didn't go up and everything like that, or if your heart, <laughs> if your heart wasn't demanding something different, or if you stayed the same person your entire life. But as soon as you're, you know, you walk through the same door 10 years in a row or do the same thing 10 years in a row and you have an inkling, like, I just, I can't, I want to do something different. Like go and do it. That's your soul. That is like, I want to go explore something different. There are so many different things that you can do. And, um, I like to say your pain can become your passion. So like it, you know, the, the restaurant industry, you learn so much and it can be so hard, but it's also deeply gratifying in some ways you can heal from it and escape from it, but also honor what it taught you. You can yeah. still recognize, you can still recognize that it no longer serves you. So you can still be grateful for it while also 
realizing that it it's not going to serve you for the future you. It's like any relationship. It works until it's not working anymore and then you need to fix it or you need to get out. I have a I believe that everything is a relationship. So sometimes I'm very close to my yoga relationship and sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm very <laughs> close and and really really intense with my cooking and sometimes I need to take a step back, make it more simple and then come back to it. And so um, if you reevaluate your time and energy investments, like they're each a relationship, you can kind of take them all through therapy, just like every, everything else, right? And, yeah. and pivot and, and adjust your engagement with it. So I'm so curious because you said that you put, you planted a seed and then you went on a year and a half later. So yeah. you're like, I got one really good restaurant job. Mm -hmm. So what were the characteristics of that last job? Like the go-between, mm -hmm. the launching pad <laughs> that made it so it was like, I this can hold me down while I transition. Mm -hmm. So do you mean what did I why did I stay at that place or what made that one the last? restaurant I guess what made it the last restaurant not from the sense of why did you leave but mm. you mentioned like I got a really good restaurant job mm. like this is good until, like, like this is good until yeah. like yeah. what made it mm -hmm. good enough I guess is the question it was just the best restaurant in the city at the time um, the chef is amazing, still hands down to this day, best chef that I ever worked or worked with and for and so inspiring a cuisine I hadn't cooked before. Um, and the the position prior to that, um, I was sous chef of a of a restaurant that had two different dining rooms. And one dining room was like a casual side, very cool. They had a tandoori oven and all the, this, these fun toys. And then on the other side was a, the fine dining side. And I ran the fine dining side and it was daily changing eight course tasting menus. Uh, so every, every day. Offline, you can tell us the restaurant. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, every, every day I came up with an eight course menu. Uh, using anything that we had um, in the restaurant uh, and just anything that I was inspired by that day. I had complete creative control. It was a dr dream of a restaurant, right? Yeah. Like I, I felt like it was my own place. I was like, somebody else is paying the bills and I get to do whatever I want. It was so yeah. cool. Um, but after a while, I hit my head on the ceiling of growth because you don't know what you don't know. And so mm. I extended my technique of what I'd known thus far. Um, and the chef above me, uh, the chef owner, uh, didn't want to be involved physically much. And so there wasn't anybody above me to teach me more. And so um, I wanted to go to a restaurant where I didn't know the cuisine and a chef I hadn't worked with before. And I wanted to learn again. I just wanted to be a student again um, and have less control because I knew I didn't want to be in the restaurant industry long-term anymore. And so it was too much on me and my energy to run the thing, right? Mm -hmm. It's very, it's very difficult to be in the relationship when you know, you don't want to be there, but then yeah. do everything for it. And so, you know, this one was still a ton of responsibility. There was only, I think six of us total um, at the last restaurant I worked at. So it was a very mm -hmm. small, um, small restaurant in, in-house everything. We did everything very tight knit crew. I mean, I still am in contact with all the chefs there. Absolutely love them, everything, but it was really, really intense. What we accomplished at that restaurant was absolutely beautiful together and I wouldn't trade it for the world. And I knew if I was going to be, if I was going to choose one last restaurant, you know, unbeknownst to anybody else but me, it's going to be this place. And so I kind of left on a high note and I was so proud of myself for, for getting there, especially as a female chef mm -hmm. uh, in the industry, really, really difficult uh, to um, helping run that kitchen. Um, and it was a beautiful experience and I wouldn't trade it for the world, but I wanted to make sure that like I left the industry at a place that I would always be 100% proud of and that I can go back and still be treated like family and have a really good relationship with everyone. Mm -hmm.
I love the, the concept of, <laughs> and I've said this to people before, the concept of treating a work or something like that as a relationship. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, because if you think about it that yeah. way, because you wouldn't accept, well, I guess both ways, there's a certain behavior from your job that you would expect from your partner and kind of vice versa, mm -hmm. you know, and it's mm -hmm. really important to, there was a speech someone was talking about. <laughs> It was, it was a black woman was talking to a bunch of black folks and she was talking about the potato salad. It's like, you go to go to an event and someone made a potato salad, you're like, who made a potato salad? And so you start asking people. And the whole point was, we spend more time with an argument with potato salad than we do picking our place of employment. Mm. And you, and mm. All these questions, all these qualifying questions, all the who, you're checking backgrounds, making sure who, make sure you're raises, whatever, all these things you're making sure. But for, for work, a lot of us just find something that is okay or it pays a certain amount or mm -hmm. look into it. And most of the time, it's I know someone, you got the job. That's most jobs. That's how I got a lot of jobs in the food service industry. My brother yeah. work at a restaurant. I'm working there. There was a restaurant in Atlanta where <laughs> they were all working. And I realized before the restaurant closed that it was both my brothers, two of my like uh, friends we grew up with, and like two of the people that we knew. I was like, y'all had the whole crew? Like, <laughs> so they were really here. I was like, so y'all basically were the restaurant. I was like, that you spend more time with your coworkers than your yeah. family. Make, exactly. choose, choose your environment wisely. Right. And I just love the concept of like fitting your work around your life. Yeah. And not your life around your work. So, like, mm -hmm. ask yourself, am I squeezing my life and my people and my hobbies? So, really, me, am I squeezing that around my work persona and responsibilities? Because if so, you're not, like, living to the max, right? And it's like, well, okay, I got to work, right? It's just, like, think about working smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. And we have to kind of break down this stigma that, like, you're a better person if you work longer. <laughs> I like, I don't subscribe to that. And I don't let anybody shame me for that. Right. Um, and it's, it's not rocket science. It's, it's just math on how you figure out how to make a living on a short um, or it, during a short period of time. And then you just gain the courage to put it out there. And the people that like see you and they see your messaging and they're like, yep, that's for me. And they will uh, jump on board like 100%. So, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. <laughs> this is like the best. This is so good. I'm just like, I'm like bursting with like so much information that I want people to just absorb because I, <laughs> when I talk, I'm kind of speaking to myself 10 mm. years ago. Like, who, like I, I have become the person that I needed and um, I just want to be that for other people and, and show them like, Hey, like if you've worked in a restaurant at all at any point, um, you can have a different relationship with food than you have now. Cause people are like, I'm burnt out on food. So are you burnt out on food or is it your relationship with food right? and relationship with everything? Right. And mm -hmm. so creating boundaries really, really small, which, which I did when I started yoga, which I was saying, I didn't know that's what I was doing, mm -hmm. but I had boundaries. And for the first time I was honoring them in yeah. myself. And, and so boundaries are like, are things that we put on ourselves for mm -hmm. ourselves. It's not for other people. Mm -hmm. And so when I started to do that, I was like, wow, this is a huge mindset shift. And sure, you like lose friends and people might get pissed at you, you know, and be like, mm -hmm. nope, I can't go out for shift drinks tonight because I'm teaching a class in the morning. And they're like, oh, you never hang out with us anymore, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, bye. Like, have fun. <laughs> right. You know, right. like, I want them to have fun and live their life. But it, it's like you, you at some point, you kind of have to become your own best friend. Yeah. And strengthen that relationship. And so if your work is asking you to prioritize other people consistently at the sacrifice of your mental health or your physical health, emotional, you know, all of that, you just got to step back and take a look, kind of take a bird's eye view of, of what's going on and know that that isn't your only option. 
so Tiffany, where can people find you? Oh, I'd love to help people with that. So um, I'm <laughs> Chef Tiffany Thomas on Instagram. Pretty easy. And it's also Chef Tiffany mm. So I would love, love, love to meet you. Shoot me a message um, on Instagram. I want to hear, you know, what are you doing now? What dreams do you have for yourself in the future? And I'm kind of in the business of turning dreams into reality, honestly. Tell me what your dreams are, and I just start making you an action plan. Like, okay, here's our first thing that we need to do. Here's the next thing that you need to do. And and just know um, you don't need confidence. You only need courage. I always say confidence It was a result of doing what you said you were going to do. Um, ah. And so <laughs> no one is confident. Yeah. Have the courage to suck at something new again, right? Like, I didn't have any, any, any business like experience outside of like cost control and numbers within the restaurant, right? Totally self-taught. So I am proud to say that I help chefs of any experience without any business knowledge whatsoever start a business. Because if you love food and you've worked on a line trust me, you can run this type of business. It's mm. so much easier than working in a kitchen. Mm. And uh, yeah. Um, and then I have a free webinar um, that I do live for each mm. chef. So it's one-on-one -on -one live for each chef. So cheftiffanythomas.com. Go ahead and schedule that. I'd love to meet everyone. Hey. <laughs> Some of you just said this really resonated with me. Um, my my brain is just like not retaining information today, but there is definitely something about taking the courage to do, to, to do something that you're scared shitless of doing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I feel like that's, it's not necessarily every day entrepreneurship, but it's most of the time. And most days mm -hmm. you're like, okay, I have a routine. That's why for me, establishing a routine helps. Um, and I found myself in a situation today where I was, Focusing on like emails or something else that wasn't like like money activity, mm -hmm. and so I was like, okay, this stuff can happen. I'll have energy for this stuff later. The energy it's also knowing yourself. Some people can work at night. I I I can't. So it goes down. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> for me, so <laughs> yeah. for me, it takes myself remind myself that when I'm not feeling confident in the morning, you're like, Do I eat breakfast okay? Yeah. The day just looking at everything, everything's kind of on your shoulders. Okay, take a step. Like you mm -hmm. know what you know what to do next. Like you know mm -hmm. what to, to do one. next. You, like you just know what you told yourself yesterday. You told yourself in that program six months ago. You know what to do next. Mm -hmm. um, we're gonna have to talk about some this morning today too. Like that's where the not saying where the anxiety comes from, but I feel that we all have anxiety <laughs> living in the world that we do. We, we do absolutely, and it comes up. It comes up for a lot of reasons. You know, I mean, a lot of valid reasons. Some not so much, but a lot of valid reasons why we all kind of like. It's because a lot of stuff is like really like not working for everybody's best interest and stuff with work and the pandemic just happened. We're still scarred from that. And mm -hmm. so remembering what to do next or problem to solve next to, to move forward. Cause you also mm -hmm. have to sit still sometimes, but to move forward does take the courage more than feeling confident because you wait for you to be confident. You'll just never do it. And that's, that's why yeah. I, we, we bonded because I spent a lot of my twenties waiting for a thing or be indecisive or and nowadays i'm just so like decisive. i want these not things to be over but i learned to live with your choices yeah is my, my biggest just make a decision my biggest yeah. thing about my 30s that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing i've learned to live with my biggest if i could go back and tell myself 10 years old is like learn to live with those decisions as soon as you can because everything else will be over fine because if you can live with it then you're, you're good. Then no you one can, can make like no one decisions. can make you feel bad or worry about it because you're like I made the decision I felt was right at that time. Right. Whether it yes. worked, oh, how it worked out. Totally. <laughs> and you have to mess up to succeed. Mm -hmm. If you don't put yourself out there, you won't fail and you mm -hmm. won't see what didn't work so that you can build on top of that. And any successful person will tell you you have to fail to succeed. I actually don't even like the word fail. I don't I don't even use that word fail. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I think the only way you can fail is if you don't learn something from something not working out, right? Um, but yeah, th thank you for 
for sharing all of all of that. That's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you for talking to us today, hanging out on the podcast. This was great. absolutely yeah. this is so um, fun. Yay. Yeah. I just chefs never cease to amaze me. Yeah. <laughs> they are some of the most generous, creative, passionate people, and they deserve better. And yes. more. They deserve everything that everyone else does, right? I always say like experts in their field, lawyers and, you know, doctors and everything, experts in their field, they are highly respected and well-paid and fully in it. Like why shouldn't you be, right? It's just having that audacity to take up space, right? So we are out here taking up space. (laughs) <laughs> and make, make it space for you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Right. Take care. <laughs> Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to this episode and rocking with us. If you really like the episode, please leave us a five-star review. Every review means so much to us. You want